This is Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. Today, our guest is Bob Frazier from Aspen Funds. We're going to talk about note investing today, why you should be a lean lord or the benefits of being a lean lord, and cover a lot of topics around note investing. I think it's a very interesting opportunity for busy professionals who don't really want to manage tenants, but uh, want to get involved in the property investing game. For those of you who are new to this show, like I said, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I am a real estate syndicator, real estate investor. I love investing in real estate and I am a busy professional just like you. I've been investing in stocks and bonds and real estate since I had two nickels to rub together and I would love to teach you what I've learned and learn alongside you as well. Like I said, this is a great opportunity today for the busy professional who wants to invest in real estate, potentially remotely, and doesn't want to manage tenants. So, Bob, thank you for joining us today. Great to be here with you. Great talking with you. We talked a bit before we recorded, and I think we have a lot of uh, common ideas. For those of uh, our listeners out there who do not know about you, could you uh, introduce yourself to us and your experience? Sure. Um, I actually... uh... Uh, went to school as a computer scientist at UC Berkeley and I was a computer programmer for many moons and loved writing amazing code (laughs) until I started a tech firm and started a tech firm in the late 90s Midwest we ended up raising 44 million dollars in venture capital and I ended up becoming one of the largest venture capitalized companies in the Midwest region in the late 90s so the thing became a rocket ship 300 employees um, and I ended up winning the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award in 2000. Wow. And we were, we were the fastest growing company in the Midwest region by revenues. It was, a, it was an absolute rocket ship. And then, uh, and then the bottom fell out in the dot-com crash. So I lose everything. I go from, you know, my attic with my sister-in-law, you know, and trying to, you know, trying to make something happen to this giant business back to my attic oh, man. <laughs> with nothing. So, so, you know, what a roller coaster ride. Um, and after that started working with nonprofits and, and really became a finance guy and, uh, um, and doing a lot of CFO work, that kind of thing. And then, um, in, uh, um, in 2012 met my current partner, um, in the real estate space, and he just got creamed in real estate and uh, in the 2008 crisis and said, you know what, we need to be on the other side of the debt equation. He was, he was a developer and was, had a bunch of hard money loans and a bunch of properties. You know, he bought some land and leveraged that land. Well, you know, the housing market dropped 35% in the crash. Well, land dropped 80% in the crash, <laughs> undeveloped or partially developed land. So he, he got completely wiped out and he said bob we need to be on the other side of the debt equation and rather than the borrowers the lenders and had he he had a couple business models that were i couldn't believe how good they were and uh, so we were kind of off to the races started several funds and have done super well you know uh the last eight years in that so uh we're just having a blast doing that and i'm making money in notes and you know, it's, it's a, it's a having fun. That's awesome. It's an interesting experience. Thank you for summing up the, the past couple uh, decades of your experience. Thank you for that, bringing up my painful points. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, the painful points are, are 
the best ones to learn from really. And, oh and you, and your, you and your yeah. partner have to both experienced some, some major uh, painful points, but you do, uh, you have quite a bit of experience raising money from investors just in, in different industries. Right. So I definitely find that interesting. So you've gotten, or you and your partner are now on the debt side of the equation, buying mortgage notes. What are you buying? Are you buying, you know, big packages? Are you, you know, buying a handful at a time? What do you, uh, yeah. what well, we have the answer. We have two, two strategies. So we buy one of the strategies, we buy non-performing notes and we typically buy them from large institutions and large pools. So, you know, the banks are cleaning off their books and they're, they're kind of taking out the trash. So we, uh, we're the, we're the, we're the dumpster divers and uh, uh, we love financial trash. So mm. we find a lot of gold in there. Um, so that's one model, but that's purely bulk. It's all big institutional players we, we tend to buy from. Um, the second is an income strategy where we, we buy uh, performing notes and, you know, seller financing or reperforming notes or something where there's, there was a problem with these notes in the past. And those we buy pretty much one off. We buy in small pools. Maybe we'll buy a dozen at a time, you know, or one at a time and uh, very, very carefully underwritten. So so a little different. Hmm. So uh, we were talking before we started recording that, you know, interest rates are exceptionally low right now and may well be very low for the future. So if you're buying, say, performing notes that um, have been restructured, presumably you're just making income off the interest. Are you buying them at a discount? Like how are you earning return exactly. on a performing yeah, they, note? It, it only makes sense for me buying them at a discount. So, you know, in my portfolio right now, my my gross yield is around, uh, you know, 12%. So in these notes, well, you know, if you're paying a mortgage, you're probably not paying 12%. So how the heck am I doing that? Well, I'm buying at a discount. I mean, I'll give you an example, $100,000 house in upstate New York, little tiny house, um, upstate New York, 100, 100 grand. He owes 100,000 on this property. Well, I bought the hundred thousand dollar debt for fifty grand. Okay, so he's paying uh, five hundred and sixty six dollars a month. Um, it's a seven percent interest rate, um, and but I be, but so 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 he to him it's a seven percent loan, mm -hmm. which is high. He sh he should refinance, but to me, I only paid fifty for that, so I'm earning fourteen. You uh, got me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm earning a fourteen percent yield on that, and and. Um, and then, you know, what happens if, you know, he stops paying? Well, I've, I've only got 50 grand into this $100,000 house. I'm not going to, I'm not worried at all, right? And here's the other side of that. So what happens when he decides to move and he sells that house or he refis? Well, I get paid off. So, so these, the interesting thing about notes versus real estate is they self-liquidate. Like your house won't sell itself suddenly. <laughs> you know, if you're a, but, but my notes do, they suddenly, they go away, but it's awesome. So if that guy refinances, I get paid by the new, the new bank, right? That's taking that new loan. I get paid off and I get paid off. I don't get paid off 50,000. I get paid off a hundred thousand. So I earn, I'm earning 14% yield on that, on that loan until I make a double cap gain. You follow me? Yeah. I'll do that all day long. And, and, and <laughs> you know how many calls I've had with, do you know how many toilets I've unplugged for that guy? 
None. None. Yeah. And I don't worry about his termites. I don't worry about any of that stuff. So, um, you know, when's the last time you called your bank when your plumbing didn't work or your roof needed work? <laughs> you know, you know, so that's I'm the bank. So it's a it's a much more, you know, you're you're focused on passive income. This is passive income, you know, when it's done right. You know, the other thing about it, you know, the it's no problem for, for you to own a thousand notes, it's not that difficult to own a thousand properties. That's a Hummer. It, you're, that's, mm. a, that's a piece of work, right? So it's much more scalable. It, it just has a lot of advantages. And this is what my partner was telling me about. And I, I, I about flipped. I said, this is amazing, you know? And uh, so it, it's really got a lot of advantages. So to what extent do you, you said you don't worry about, you know, termites and things like that. I mean, to what extent do you really not worry about it? Because at the end of the day, the note is on the house. And if he... Right burns it down, you know, okay, well he burned down the house. I mean, you're probably going to make sure it's adequately insured, but not everything's insurable and all that. So, you know, to what extent do you really worry about the the condition? Well, we actually have a servicer that runs our portfolio. Uh, Literally, we don't have to do anything and they put in forced place insurance. So you actually have, your lender has a right. um, If you stop insuring, you stop paying insurance to purchase a policy that protects them. It doesn't protect you on your house. It protects the lender. Of course, it wouldn't a bank come up with this, right? Yeah. You know, the bank is make sure the bank gets taken care of and then they charge you for it. So that's what happens. We, we basically have a, I, and I don't even have to make a phone call. I don't have to answer an email. It happens automatically. The, the, uh, a letter gets written out. If the bar doesn't supply proof of insurance, this company provides forced place insurance automatically. Boom. And literally, I just had one happen. I, I get a I get a notice that you know one of my one of my borrowers their house burned down. You know, Oof. I'm going, oh my god, you know. Yeah. And and literally, the forced place insurance policy was put in place two weeks prior to that. I'm like, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I get a check from the insurance company. You know. So that's the way it's supposed to work. How about uh, property taxes, man? That's another thing. What if if they're not paying you, you know, you can't take out insurance for property taxes. So it's, you're probably footing the property tax bill if they're not paying you. No, because- no most of my loans are, 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 you know, most of my loans are escrowed. And again, if, if I foot out for the property tax, I'm adding it to the loan. But again, mm. if I'm lending 50 grand on a hundred thousand dollar house, you know, so, so the, the real answer to your question is it's, I still do underwrite the real estate. I actually do, but it's all when I purchase the loan, you know, I'll go and figure out, um, you know, assuming the borrower doesn't pay us, how are we going to do? And that's a real estate question, right? So we do look at the real estate. Okay. So you're, are you hiring somebody to go look at it? You're probably not doing that yourself or, you know, what does that typically cost a couple hundred bucks or is it appraisal? Yeah, it, it depends on, it depends on a lot of things. So if it's in a bread and butter neighborhood and we can look on the AVMs and see that it's, you know, we, we might have, we might pay for a BPL broker price opinion to go look at it. But if there's, if, if we're, if we're borrowing, if our investment to value ratio is 25%, so we're lending 25,000, you know, you know, $25,000 on a $100,000 house, I'm not going to, I'll go make sure that, that it's not bulldozed. <laughs> you, know, and, you know, I'll make sure that, you know, 
Ma and Pa Kettle aren't living there, but but beyond that, I don't care. I don't care. You know, um, yeah. I'm going to do just fine. So it, so each one is individually underwritten, and we we get comfortable on each property that we're that it's you know that in a downside scenario uh, we're going to be fine. So how much equity do you need to have? in a, I guess, in a note or you know, how do you even think about the, is it equity in the property? Like how is that calculated and how much do you really need to have in order to turn a profit? Well, I mean, now, now you're into real estate underwriting. I mean, it's no different. I mean, we look at our investment, what we're putting in, you know, so this to take the New York example, we're investing $50,000 in this house for a house that has $100,000 in value. So now, well, let's, let's look at a take back. So if this, if he lets the property go and it ends up needing a roof and it ends up needing some paint and, you know, let's take that. So I've got to put in 15, 20 grand on that. Let's add a, let's add a, you know, quick sale discount. Let's add broker, broker fees. Um, let's add a tax bill. And maybe I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to make any money, but I, I might still make money okay? because mm. I only paid 50 for this. I may not make a lot, but I'm probably okay. So that's our underwriting right there. You know, it's no different than if you're going to pay $50,000 and buy that property. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, okay. It's a little bit, uh, a little bit like flipping sort of, not really. It can yeah. turn into that. Well, you just got to make sure they, if, because if, you might get the house. Yeah. You got to make sure that if you get it, you're going to be okay. So, uh, you know, what do you do if somebody wants to get into buying notes? I mean, can you go down to your local credit union and say, hey, you have any notes you want to sell me? I'll, yeah, I'm no. in the market for. The, they're going to shine <laughs> you on. No, there's actually some exchanges. Um, so what, what's happening, there's actually a vibrant market out, out there. We don't teach people how to buy and sell notes. We just do it ourselves. Um, but there's, a, there's some exchanges that actually sell these. So what, what's happening, you know, over the past 10, 15 years, you've probably seen the big auctions, Fannie and Freddie auctioning billions of dollars worth of non-performing loans out. Well, what, what happens is that stuff filters out through this network of hedge funds and investors and ultimately a lot of those a lot of those homes end up getting you know paper is created on them or reperformed or something and so it ends up in the market um, you know as onesie twosies and so there's exchanges that that list these things and you buy them there you know um, now we don't really do that because we have a lot of relationships but but they're definitely available um, to buy yeah so you have a uh you have a fund where you're buying notes. I mean, how are you buying at a time? And, you know, I, 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 I'm pretty active on bigger pockets. I see people, you know, especially new people to real estate that say, I, I have this great idea. I want to start a fund. And okay. It's not quite that easy. I mean, you have to go out and raise millions of dollars first. And that's hard to do without a track record. It's so, a chicken and egg problem, right? You, right. you know, investors are not going to say, sure, we're going to write the check, you know, you know, they want to see something and, and you better have good sources. You better have good underwriting and notes like anything else. You know, there's, there's plenty of, plenty of ways to, you know, make a mistake and plenty of ways to lose your money. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, uh, 
yeah so but, but you know bigger pockets is not i don't see people selling notes i don't i don't do a lot of that on bigger pockets but there's a, a number of other exchanges like paperstack or a few others that list list notes for sale you know and um, you know but you got to think out of the box you know for example we love seconds we love i would rather buy a second lien than a first lien. why okay. <laughs> exactly see and it's that attitude that uh -huh. i love it makes me a lot of money that as everybody else hates them and so so let's say a three hundred thousand dollar house hundred thousand dollar first and a hundred thousand dollar second you can buy a hundred thousand dollar first and maybe you're going to get a yield of five percent for your hundred thousand dollars okay and it's super safe but boring i can buy the second <laughs> but that second because the second mortgages have higher interest rates i'm probably going to be earning a seven coupon on that add to add to that i get a 50 percent discount so i earn a 14 percent discount or a 14 percent yield versus say five percent so so yeah i'm in second position but but if that housing price crashes 35% again, I'm still covered. And here's the killer. Here's the killer. The guy refinances. The first mortgage gets paid off his $100,000, which is what he paid for the loan. I get paid off $100,000, which is double what I paid for the loan. I double my money. I make so much more money in seconds. Seconds are dramatically underpriced, dramatically underpriced relative to the market. But you have, but seconds are like financial chess. You'd better know what you're doing when you buy a second, because you've got a first that a lot in front of you. That a lot of times you don't know what it is, so you better know what it is, and you better monitor. So, but if you do your homework and you monitor, you can make a whole lot more money in seconds, and uh, you know, not quite as passive, uh, because you've got to pay attention. So do you mean you, you don't know what it is? Like you don't know if it's like a, an FHA loan or something like, well, like who's the holder? You don't know if it's being paid. Mm. You don't know the balance necessarily. So, you know, there could have been modded and maybe there's a hidden principal sitting there. They got a deferred balance. Maybe it's not being reported in the credit reports, you know? So you really don't know what's happening in front of you. Hmm. Right? What if he stops paying? How, will you know? So you have to, you have to pay a lot of attention, but we know those things. That's, this is our gift, our business. We know how to take care of that. Right. And so we, we basically love to buy that stuff, buy it all day long. So it, it, I mean, it sounds in a way like, unless you, unless you have a way to correct for that, it sounds like you're, you're kind of playing the statistics in a sense. Yeah. Unless you, you're really good at the research and you can tell, uh, the terms on that that first loan, or you are you going to have like a a rate of second position notes that just aren't going to work out because of the the terms on the first position? We don't. It's not playing the odds. We we know how to underwrite. You have to know how to underwrite. Mm. You have to know how to find hidden principal balances. You have to know how to how to get visibility. And if you don't have visibility, and for example, if a borrower has declared bankruptcy, there's no credit. There, it's disappeared from their credit before well so but we can go back find historical credit reports there's a lot of things you can do to estimate these values etc um and uh you know but then the price goes 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 down you know every every risk factor i i i discount further right uh, to the mm -hmm. point where i'm gonna make money even if 
you know, even a worst case, so you just, you, you know, there's, you know, there's really no such thing as a bad note. There's only a bad price. <laughs> I, yeah, that makes sense. There's no such thing as a bad note. There's only a bad price. That is an interesting way to put it. How much research, say how many hours, for example, of research, man hours go into an individual note? Because if you're buying, I don't know, a hundred of these, you have to be able to, to do this with some amount of efficiency and also effectiveness. So yeah, with our tools, we have a whole lot of tools we use and our underwriters take, you know, between half an hour to an hour and a half per note. That's not too bad. I was, uh, I was honestly expecting, you know, a couple of hours to a day, but when you're doing well, a lot of and, notes, and that adds it, up. It, you know, it could be, we need to order O and E. It could be a lot of different things. So it, it can take longer and be a little bit more drawn out process, but generally, you know, probably 80% of our notes are pretty bread and butter. Hmm. I wonder to what extent can you hire, say, or, or do you hire virtual assistants to handle a lot of that underwriting? Or do you need somebody that's a bit more savvy, if you will, and experienced you, as a you, financial you, underwriter? You, you need somebody who's savvy, especially mm. if you're buying a second. You better know what you're doing. Um, but and, Or you need to hire a flipper, a real estate guy. You can really look at the real estate and say, okay, worst case scenario, I take this back. Am I going to be okay or not? Um, so if you, you want to get into it, you know, I would, you know, start with first and make sure you're a real estate guy who can really look at the, you know, take back values and risks there. So worst case, you take it back and you're okay. Turn it into a rental, you know? Mm, yeah. So for everybody that doesn't, anybody that doesn't want to get into all of that, let's talk about your fund or funds a little bit and you know, what the details are, what it takes to get in, who can invest and like what the returns look like and everything. Yeah, we have an income fund that pays eight and a half percent annual and pays on a monthly basis. So it's kind of nice. Um, and, uh, and then there's about another, uh, there's appreciation of about another half to 1% per year in addition. So you end up getting about a nine to nine and a half percent return all told. But the very cool thing is, <clears throat> so I was telling you about liquidity, right? Where 8% of our portfolio uh, gets paid off in any given year. And so we basically have a liquidity program for our investors where just it's an evergreen fund. So it's priced based on, based on net asset value, not the stock market. It doesn't go up and down. And, uh, and so every quarter I allow my investors to take, to, to take their money out at that price or put their money in at that price and have never missed. So, so it's very cool. It's real estate, but you don't have to be fully locked up. You know, it's not a, not a prison sentence. You got the high yield, but you got to go to prison to get it, you know? So uh, it's not like that. So it's, it's kind of cool. We've done a, we've done a very unique thing in our space, allowing investor liquidity. Now we, you know, we don't want people to do that a lot, but we, we it, you can, you know, and then we have, a, we have another fund that is, uh, we buy non-performing notes, which you haven't talked about, but instead of paying 50 cents, you're paying, you know, let's say 15 or 20 cents on the dollar and non-performing loans. So um, very different world, you know, a lot more upside, a lot more work, not passive, but, but we do have the staff for that. And that, that's, uh, that'll end up returning, you know, you know, 15 to 20% higher our basis. A lot more uh, work in terms of restructuring those notes and getting them exactly. via exactly. reperforming. 
that's not passive, but it is passive for our investors, you know, but it's, but we, we have a staff that are busy, busy, busy uh, working that. Nice, nice. Well, I appreciate that. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. All right, Bob, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. First one, what is the best investment you've ever made? Best investment I ever made. You know, I, I would honestly have to say investing in my partner. I actually, I actually, he was telling me about this cool business model and I said, no way, second mortgage is, you know, get out of here. He said, give me five minutes and I'll change your mind. I said, okay. So I ended up letting him invest in my IRA. <laughs> he ended up making me a lot of money and I'm like, wow. But it not only did, and he needed the money. He was, he was licking his wounds from being wiped out. And so it helped him and it brought us together to build something really amazing. So that was my, that was my number one investment. Nice. Investing in my partner. Nice. On the other side of that, what is the worst investment you ever made? I suspect you've got some good ones. <laughs> oh man. Well, and I told you about my journey, you know, to the, to the pinnacle and then the pit, you know? Yeah. So I don't know if that was an investment or not. I invested, you know, five years of my life to walk away with ginormous crater. Um, but on, honestly, probably the worst investment I ever made was I bought a, you know, looking for income back before I started this, I bought a ladies workout gymnasium, like, mm. you know, and I'm not a lady. I don't <laughs> even like to work out. What the heck was I thinking? You know, and I did buy it to kind of help another girl to get in there and own her own business someday. Well, she bailed on me. My wife ended up able to work there. I said, honey, got some bad news. You're going to be working at the gym. <laughs> my daughter doing the babysitting who she hated me for that. You know, it was such a disaster. Oh my gosh. Painful. Ah, stick with what you know. Stick with what you know. Stick with what you know. I like that. <laughs> my favorite question at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson that you've learned in investing? Wow. Uh, most important lesson is do it with the right people. You know, um, you know, I found over and over bet on the bet on the jockey, not the horse. You know, it doesn't matter how good of investment you think it is. If the people aren't right, don't touch it. And it doesn't matter if the investment seems stinky or mediocre. If you got the right people, they're going to figure it out and make it work. Honestly, getting great people and partnering with great people is really, really the magic sauce for everything. I mean, my mom, you know, invested in my business way, way back. And after I totally blown it and I failed, <laughs> fell to my oh, face, no. it wasn't, you know, this is my the tech business. And she put in a hundred grand and I'm like, you know, and I called her up to tell her I'd failed. You know, it's over. Oh. And she said, I'm going to give you another hundred thousand. I'm like, mom, you know, mom, don't, don't, don't you get it, mom? I, I failed. And she said, nah, you'll figure something out. You always do. And I'm like, wow. Well, and she was right. You know, so it's, you just bet if, if you got, you just bet on the right horse, bet on the right, or bet, bet on the right jockey and know that they'll find the, they'll fix the horse or find the right horse. That is something quite the, uh, the vote of confidence from I know. mom. mom, you know? <laughs> wow. Nice. Well, you know, 
Good for that. Good for you. That's, <laughs> that's great. If folks want to learn more about you, your business, the funds, all of that, uh, where can they find you? Where Aspen, can they learn more? Aspen funds, F U N D S dot U S. Aspen funds, F U N D S dot U S dot U S. Great. Well, Thanks for joining us today. I, uh, I really appreciate it. I think notes are a very interesting opportunity, especially that, you know, so many people are not aware that they're out there, that they're available. You know, people are just familiar with directly investing in property most of the time. You know, single families, they don't know that they can become the bank. So thank you for sharing those lessons with us. And super passive. So there you go. Super passive. Thanks for your time and a pleasure to be with you, Taylor. Great, to, great time with you as well. I definitely appreciate it. We, got, we had a great chat uh, before we started recording. So I appreciate that. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'm not calling it iTunes this time. Very much appreciate it. Helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone that could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the fold. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, signing off. Bye-bye.